I think that's actually prepared me really well for it because I had the exposure to teaching research and outreach opportunities. Um, and that's all part of my appointment currently. Um, so I'm very appreciative of that learning experience in my graduate career. A whole new era of communication in the poultry industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the global poultry industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Adaseo provides nutritional solutions and services to help producers achieve their targets in high-quality, safe, and sustainable way. Your partner for improving animal performance, Berg and Schmidt. DSM, helping customers with efficient, sustainable poultry production. Ivonic Animal Nutrition, we are sciencing the global food challenge. AB Vista offers pioneering products and technical services tailored to the poultry industry to help them succeed. Welcome to the Poultry Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and everything that's working in the global poultry industry. One of AB Vista's core strategies is to give customers the flexibility to do more with less, which is a common theme among many companies and producers in today's industry. As a science-driven company, AB Vista has proven results to help our customers achieve optimal performance using customized programs with our core phytase and xylanase. Welcome to the Poultry Podcast Show. Today I'm here with Victoria Ayers. Welcome. Welcome to the Poultry Show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So I'd like to hear how you got into poultry. Everybody's story seems to be quite unique and I am sure that yours is the same. So how did you get a job in chickens? Yeah, so I um, I actually did not grow up on a poultry farm at all or anywhere near poultry. Um, I went to college. Um, I went to Ohio State for my um, major, or I majored in animal sciences and minor in molecular genetics. I wanted to be an equine vet <laughs> um, and then got into like halfway through undergrad, I think it was, and I decided I didn't really want to go to vet school. Um, and so I ended up um, really interested in research and helped out in my advisor's lab. It was all about volunteer. Um, and then with that, I was able to do an undergraduate research study, uh, which then led to um, a master's program afterwards at West Virginia University. So after you finished your master's, where did you go after that? It seems there's always like a, a somewhat path. Some people go to industry, some just go straight on. Yeah, so after my master's, I stayed on um, for a PhD, and I worked with Joe Moritz, um, and I studied uh, poultry nutrition and beef manufacture. So for both master's and PhD. So after you finished your uh, master's and your PhD, um, what was the path to your current job? Um, so I actually applied for my current job. I'm at Tennessee Tech University, and I'm an assistant professor here. Um, I applied for this position about a year and a half into my PhD. Um, and I was very thankful to have gotten this position. Um, I started here in January of 22 and then ended up finishing my PhD in May of 22. Um, so I've been here at Tech for a year and a half, something like that. Yeah, so uh, what's your department like um, as far as, as poultry and other sort of species that are in, in the area with you? Um, well, so our the School of Agriculture is a little bit different than, you know, say like a a poultry science department, for example. 
um, or even a Department of Animal Science. So our university has about 10,000 students total. Um, and so we only have, we have a school of agriculture. And so with that, we have, you know, agronomy, plant science, horticulture, um, ag engineering, um, animal science, pre-vet. And then we just now started a poultry science concentration under the um, animal science major. Um, so this is the very first semester of kicking that off. Um, and so with that, you know, with my area of um, poultry nutrition, I'd like to focus on like an introduction to poultry science, followed by focusing on um, poultry nutrition, feed manufacture, and then just experiential learning for the students. Yeah, cool. So um, what's the core size of your your poultry group? I know sometimes, uh, at least where we are, people don't always think about poultry, but then when they kind of get introduced to it, they get really excited about pursuing education in poultry. What do you mean poor size? Uh, how many students do you have that are kind of in like the poultry focus? We said that you had like that, that part of your major. Um, so it's pretty new. So um, it's not giant yet. Um, but over the summer, I was able to hire, I think, eight or nine students um, to work with me over the summer. Um, and we have about 20 to 25 students, I think, in the poultry science club this semester. So very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good group of students. <laughs> I would think so. It, it helps out um, quite a bit when it comes to studies. Yeah, gosh, yeah. Yeah, so um, so you said that you've done some work in poultry um, nutrition and, and manufacture, um, and you just recently graduated with your PhD. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the, the work that you did over in West Virginia? Sure. Um, so for my dissertation, it was a bit different. Um, we focused on, or I focused on, a, a wood boiler heat exchanger um, in order to heat a chicken house compared to radiant propane brooders. Um, so with propane brooders, when um, propane combusts, it actually releases moisture into the air. Um, and so with that, you can have increased humidity, you can have increased ammonia levels in the house. Um, and so with the um, wood boiler heat exchanger, that combustion happens outside of the house. So we heated sawdust, we placed that sawdust in a hopper, it was then um, burned, that fire then heated water in the hot water tank. That hot water is then piped underground into the facility and then there is this big heat exchanger that um, blew the air over those pipes and that's what distributed the heat in that house. Um, and so we found um, several differences between the radiant propane brooders and the with, uh, uh, external combusted uh, heat exchanger. Um, and so we looked at different um, immune parameters. So we found uh, interleukin-6, which is an indicator of stress for the chickens. That was actually increased for the propane heaters compared to the external combustion wood boiler heat exchanger. Well, we looked at uh, uh, foot pad scores as well, and like, there were some differences there. And then we looked at um, performance parameters too. Um, not so much, there weren't as many differences in the uh, performance parameters, but you could certainly see it with the footpad scores and then the immune marker as well. So um, was there a sustainability component? I know that for sawdust, um, the if the state has a great logging industry, that could be a great use of the byproduct or at least an alternative use since I know animal bedding obviously is a a way to use sawdust, but what, like, what was the sustainability component? It sounds like there probably was one. Yeah, thank you. Um, so the uh, 
the idea behind this was to utilize byproducts from the logging industry. So there's a pretty big um, logging industry in West Virginia. And so the thought was, if, you know, we could use this byproduct in order to heat a chicken house, for example. Um, and poultry is the largest agricultural commodity in West Virginia. So it seemed like a win-win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, as far as like how the heat works or is distributed within the house, did you find it was easy to control? Um, I, I don't know a ton about using wood-burning stoves or whatever to control. Uh, I guess it would be controlled by a thermostat. But is it easy to use? Is the heat, d- does the barn get to the temperature that you want it? Is, are there different worries than with propane heaters? Um, the barn was certainly able at the temperature that we wanted it to get to. Um, so we did it once during the summer and once during the winter months. Um, and it, it worked well for both seasons. You know, of course, with the research um, scale, it's a lot smaller scale than, you know, live production or a, um, a broiler house, for example. Um, and so it was a lot more manual labor on, on my end at like a research level. Um, but they have a lot more equipment available for larger operations that would take a lot of the labor out of it. But yeah, it was, it was a good experience. Um and I think that people could certainly incorporate it into their um, poultry facilities if they wanted to utilize something like that. So is that something that would be easy to retrofit or would it be you got to think about a new build and that would be easier? Um, I would think that you could be able to retrofit it so um, or something similar to that. Um, so, for example, the um, poultry houses that we used, um, you know, were not new builds by any means. Um, but this piece of equipment was, and we were certainly able to incorporate it into our facility. Um, our, at least from a sustainability standpoint, would there be an issue, since it's a byproduct, do you anticipate issues getting enough for a commercial facility? Like, what, what, would, what are the needs if you really do want to use this as uh, a heat source? Like, will there be sourcing issues? Or is the volume high enough? Is the cost low enough? You know, what are some of the trade-offs? I would think that the source would be um, high enough, um, depending on where you're located. So in West Virginia, you know, if you're near a logging source, um, I would think that it would be high enough. Um, the cost is something that we did look at, and I don't remember exactly what point it was for propane, but there is a trade-off. It depends on um, how expensive propane is versus, you know, how expensive the sawdust is or the byproduct is that you're looking for. So you do have to take those into consideration as well. Yeah, that makes total sense. It's like deciding whether or not to put distiller's grain in a diet, right? Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, there's all these trade-offs. But I imagine with some companies moving towards um, sustainability efforts, especially in a location where the byproduct would be available, it could be a way to show improved sustainability. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So um, you mentioned that your focus during grad school was nutrition. So um, since you started your your new position, what are some of the things that you have been focusing on or some of the things that you anticipate? I know it takes quite a while to get a program up and running. So you always have these goals and then um, just everything takes a while, right? To, To gather good students and research programs and decide where to go and what the needs are. So are the needs in Tennessee similar to where you did your PhD? Um, I believe that the needs in Tennessee are a bit different. So um, Tennessee is home to a lot of our um, breeder facilities. Um, So for example, Avigen or Coffee and Tress. 
Um, and so there's a lot of breeder houses um, around Tennessee Tech or, or Cookville. And so I would like to get more involved in that area. I'm not super familiar with it. Um, just because, again, you know, I didn't grow up in the poultry industry, um, and then I didn't really deal with that too terribly much in West Virginia. So I'd like to learn more about that and then just see how I can help the companies that are um, around us. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you anticipate you could work on? I know that nutrition is always um, always at the forefront, and then management, always ways to improve management, right? There's so many opportunities. So what are your interests? What do you think you want to work on if you had the chance to collaborate? Um, I would still like to stay in nutrition, I think. Um, so I did a lot of um, feed additive studies. So I worked with different phytase products, different carbohydrates, produces um, during my time um, in grad school. And I'd still like to stay um, with that. I think it's a super interesting area, um, a lot of innovative things going on. Um, and so we have a brand new, um, it's a $2 million facility. It opened up in December of 2022. Um, we got the all clear to place birds in February, and we have birds on the ground March 10th. <laughs> so we really tried to um, get birds in as soon as we could. Uh, we've done two studies so far. Um, one of them was a nutrition study, um, and then the other one, we looked at a, um, a waterline product to reduce salmonella, uh, which was pretty interesting. Um, so what does your facility look like? What are the capabilities? Sure. So we have um, two different grow-out rooms, I guess, or wings in the house. Um, each wing, each room has 48 floor pens. Each floor pen is five foot by five foot, and they have individual water lines for each pen, and then an individual um, hanging feeder, the 35-pound hanging feeders. So we feed everything by hand. Again, it's set up for like a nutrition study kind of a thing. Um, we have uh, water medicators and water meters in each room as well, um, and then we have an edge to control system, um, and so it is a very sophisticated piece of equipment, something that I was not familiar with at all. Um, and so it's been quite a learning curve, but I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed working with it a lot. Um, the students, I had, you know, eight, eight or 10 students working with me over the summer and they seem to get the hang of it pretty quickly and they understand, um, you know, how to change um, the temperature, for example, or how to, you know, increase fan speed or whatever it is. Um, and so that's, uh, in the grow-out rooms, and then we also have um, an attached uh, in-house laboratory and then an attached processing area as well. Oh, processing in the same area. That's great. It's <laughs> nice. You don't have to go outside. <laughs> yeah. Um, is, uh, is the facility USD inspected? Are you able to do anything uh, with the birds once you process them, or is it all just research and then you you know do something else, I guess, like meat quality or something? Yeah, so it's mostly for research. We do not have a USDA inspector present, um, so everything is done manually. You know, we don't have any of the automated equipment or anything like that, um, but it's been really great for the students to learn. They were so excited over the summer when we got to process some birds <laughs> just to learn um, about the, the, the entire process. You know, they got to raise these birds from day-old chicks all the way until they were, um, we grew up to 35 days. And so they were really excited to see the end products. Yeah, that that's really cool. I, I think 
poultry is such a cool field to be in because it's especially when you're teaching it it's the only live commercial livestock animal that a semester every aspect can be taught i mean like from from the actual broiler lifespan like it fits in a semester so the students have the opportunity to watch birds grow during the semester and then you can do a little research project or or whatever you need uh just because it's it's short and they can understand the full process. So I really think that's cool. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. And I think they do too. They, um, so last semester I taught a um, poultry production and management course as well. And that was with our seniors that we had. Um, it's a 4,000 level class. And so I actually was able to assign um, pairs in this class and each pair had to take care of one pen of 23 chickens. <laughs> And uh, we had some students that got really attached, <laughs> um, but they they had a good time. They really enjoyed uh, working with the animals, you know, taking care of them. You know, someone had to go in on the weekends or the holiday and, and make sure that their chickens were fed. And I think that they really appreciated learning how to do that. Like you said, you can't do that with any other species of the entire lifespan. So it was a cool experience for sure. Yeah, I, I like I like seeing students get excited, but I think they get even more excited when the pen of birds is theirs. It's not as fun if it's a community. So I love, we, we do a similar experiment in the fall. I'm teaching it right now where the students get a whole pen of birds to themselves and they name them and they have favorites. And I just love seeing them <laughs> with, the, with the cute little chicks. And then the chicks get to adolescence and they're not so cute for a little while. <laughs> and it's amazing to see how much they grow each week. I mean, I still am amazed um, by their, their growth rate. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They they grew very quickly this last time around. I think by uh, 35 days, we had like seven pound birds. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like you had some good nutrition and management, huh? <laughs> I would think so. I hope so. <laughs> um, so. So with your facility and your proximity to some of the different um, breeder type flocks, do you have the opportunity to switch and compare between genetic strains or, or do you typically have a favorite like uh, that, that you work with? I don't know if I have a favorite per se. Um, I would hope to be able to work with both strains. Um, I was able to do that in well between undergrad and, and my professional career now too. Um, but I don't think I have a favorite. You don't have a favorite. My favorite is the one that's available. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's always tough scheduling things out in advance because um, our research orders are so much smaller than a commercial order. So we just kind of, <laughs> we just need a little bit over a thousand and they're, you know, they need 35,000. So it's kind of funny. We, we're just a small fry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so what are some of the things that you, um, just from a broiler management or, you know, housing and nutrition standpoint, what are some of the areas that you kind of want to make your mark in? Um do you do you want to focus more on nutrition and enzymes or uh, do you have some goals at learning how to manage birds better? It sounds like you get to teach all of those things. I did get to teach all of those things. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I think I would like to stay closer, I guess, to the, um, uh, the nutrition side of things. There's just a lot going on in that area. And I think that I would like to continue to be a part of it like I did in grad school. Um, do you have a, a favorite... Uh, some people like enzymes, some people really like energy, you know, some people are more into protein. Um, is there a space within there that, that you think you'd like to focus on or is it just kind of nutrition in general? I'm going to say nutrition in general for now and we'll see, uh, <laughs> see what comes along the line um, in the future. Um, yeah. 
We'll see what happens. Um, what sort what sort of essays uh, will your group be known for? Um, you know, there's different groups that really like digestibility essays or disease models um, or just general general growth and performance. So what do you envision? What's your specialty? What do you envision becoming known for? Well, I'm not really sure yet. We're still trying to get the lab <laughs> up and running. So, so far, we've only been able to do like simple growth performance measurements here. Um, yeah, I hope to have a lot more equipment in the future. Um, I know that we can do it. I just need um, to get everything finalized in the lab first. Yeah, well, that makes sense. The startup process is always slow. <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. Uh, so from a student standpoint, it sounds like you have like a good mix of students in your lab. Um, it, there seems to be a lot of interest in the undergrad population. So do you think that'll be a main focus, like producing undergrads and then also in the future grad students? Yes. So right now, um, I only have undergraduate students, um, but they've been a huge, huge help. Um, Like I said, I was able to pay quite a few over the summer. And then I have three, excuse me, four students working with me this semester. Um, And so they're all very invested. They're all really interested in poultry. Um, One of them is looking into vet school currently. Um, and so the other ones, I think, are kind of weighing their options. I have another student that is um, going to start her um, graduate program at Auburn um, in the spring of next year. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, you know, just ha- taking these undergrads and if they would like to go into industry, help them get started. And then if they'd like to go to grad school, same thing, your vet school, um, get them where they want to go. I uh, I had an undergrad research experience just like you did, and that really changed the trajectory of my career. So I think you're doing a great thing by exposing undergrads to research because I always tell my students, part of my job is to help you find what you like, and it's also to help you find what you don't like. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. In. Yeah, but even if you don't like it, you still have to be happy. <laughs> it's okay to not like something, but you still got to do it, right? But you maybe don't have to make a career out of it. (laughs) Do you envision being able to, I guess in the future, if you're able to work with some of the genetics companies, um, are there a lot of internship opportunities for your undergrads or other students in the area? Um, That's been a huge, great benefit to our undergrads is the ability to do internships with industry over the summer. Yes. So um, Copy and Trust and Aviagen both offer um, internship opportunities. Um, I know that this year we had at least two students intern with Aviagen, um, and they both loved it. They came back after the summer and told me all about their experiences. <laughs> um, and then in the past, we've had several that have interned with Cobb Interest as well. Um, outside of that, we have um, Purdue, not too far away from us. They're located in Monterey, Tennessee, um, and a lot of our students work um uh, full-time with them. I've had several that have worked full-time um, during the semester. Um, and then I think they also offer internship programs and then like a, a management trainee program as well. And a lot of our students have done that option too. Yeah. After graduation, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't have as many options for internships, but I feel like when I was an undergrad, there wasn't as big of a focus on it. So I think some of the students are light years ahead of where I was just because they've had the ability to do internships. So super cool. <laughs> Definitely. And I, would, I highly, highly, highly encourage students to take an internship. Because um, like you said before, you know, they get the opportunity not only to see if they like it, but also if they don't like it. 
And if it's something that they don't like, then that's totally fine and they can explore a different career path. So going back to your your facility, um, you said that you've done some nutrition work, but you've also done some water work. Um, I think the capability to do different water trials is incredible. So can you tell us a little bit about those capabilities? Because we've found that measuring water intake, or I, I shouldn't say intake because we don't, we just assume the bird drank it, but water usage is so hard in birds, especially when they're small. <laughs> it is. It's very difficult. Um, and especially if you don't have the right size meter, um, which is what we're kind of looking at currently is trying to update um we're trying to figure out the best meter for our facility. Um, but yeah, so we have um, four different water meters available in each grow out facility and then four different water medicators. Um, and they're the, the dosatron medicators. Yeah. Um, and they were, I've never used them in the past. I've never had the opportunity to use them. Um, so it was, as I said, it was a good learning experience, just like the new control system. Um but I think it'll um, yield a lot of good uh, results in the future, you know, if we have worked to use them for research purposes. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, as we were, we've we recently built a, a poultry facility and then a turkey facility, and we had some great industry collaborators that really taught us about the different, the different ways to measure water usage. But really, it comes down to when you have a pen of small chicks, they don't even drink enough water to be able to tell of movement on the water meter until they're older. And so um, I know different groups have developed ways where you put a bucket in the pen and then, you know, by gravity, you can measure uh, how much is gone, but oh, that's labor intensive. Like I would really, I want our engineer friends to develop just like the most sensitive water meter. So a teeny little 40 gram chick, <laughs> you can monitor pen water intake. Cause I, I think honestly the water treatments and the sanitizing treatment, like you were talking about, are, I mean, they're forward thinking. We need we need better water treatments and better ways to measure water and understand what's going on since so many things are provided through the water. So it's kind of a cool technology. Agreed. Yeah. And I think that um, if any ag engineers could uh, get on that, that would be amazing. Be very helpful. <laughs> I, I am sure they appreciate us giving them more work to do. <laughs> I, I know that I know nothing about, I know something, but not really, I know nothing about building design, but I, we'd be nowhere without uh, some of the engineers that we collaborate with, because even the building design for our research facilities, they had a lot of influence, and it turned out eons better because they were there, because I'm, I'm a nutritionist, I do some welfare work, I do immunology work, and don't ask me how to set up the ventilation. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I understand it on principle, but I could not build a system, but thank God, because you can only know so much, you got to rely on your colleagues. <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. I've learned a lot, a lot in the last, what, not eight, nine months or so since we've had the, the building. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so since you're a recent hire, do you, um, we have a question later that kind of talks about just in general, how to be successful, but if somebody is listening and they're thinking, man, I kind of want to be a faculty member. Do you have any sage advice for making the switch from being a graduate student, going through the interview process and then getting hired? And like, how did you make that switch? That's, it's a, it's a big jump. <laughs> it is a big jump. Um, I think that's what actually prepared me really well for it because I had the exposure to teaching research and outreach opportunities. 
Um, and that's all part of my appointment currently. Um, so I'm very appreciative of that learning experience in my graduate career. I think the most difficult thing has been, so for me, when I got here um, at Tennessee Tech, um, we, you know, we launched this new um, poultry science concentration. And so I learned a lot about how to write a curriculum <laughs> and how to write syllabi and create classes. Um, so I would say, I guess my piece of advice for anyone looking to go into academia um, would be to just talk with your major professor or, um, I don't know, maybe some of the education people at your institution and see if, uh, um, if you can learn more about how to write curriculum and syllabi. Um, there's still a lot that I am learning currently. <laughs> I'm actually in like a, um, uh, I'm in a class to learn how to teach, like better teach online courses. Um, and so I'm learning a lot with that too. Yeah. And that's a big thing for nowadays as well. Um, you know, you have to be ADA compliant and, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of like netiquette guidelines and things that we don't think about, like just conscientiously, I guess. Oh, I, yeah. The, um, the switch, the major switch with going straight to online was, Wow, when everybody had to do that during COVID during the semester. So it was trial by fire. <laughs> so now that is some dedicated time. Smart. Yeah, exactly. Um, so from the teaching aspect, you would recommend just dipping your toes, making sure you can maybe be a teaching assistant or understand a little bit more about curriculum if your university offers that. What about the research? What was it like switching from being a grad student to running a program and, and getting that all started. What was, what was hard or fun about I'm that? I'm still learning. <laughs> um, still learning how to do that or um, the process of doing that. Um, I think that if you can get practice in your graduate career, learning how to um, create experiments and write grants, grant writing is a huge part of it. Um, so if you can get experience in that during your graduate career, um, that'll certainly help you, I think, in your professional career as well. Yeah, that it's a big hole in graduate education. That being said, not everybody will go into faculty, but also there's so much other stuff to learn. It's like, how do you fit it all in? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just taking some initiative, though, it sounds like. Uh, and then working with industry, if you have the chance, I love when my students can interact with industry professionals. So it's great. <laughs> Yes. So I'm actually teaching an introduction to poultry science course this semester. Um, And we have, I think there's between six and eight different industry folks coming in to talk to our students. We have geneticists coming to speak, um, someone speaking about incubation, um, hatchery management, nutrition, feed manufacture, processing, and then even some people talking just about networking and the importance of networking, too. So, yeah, I'm hoping to expose my students to all of those different facets of, of the poultry industry. They, uh, they'll be thankful. <laughs> I <laughs> sure. <hope> so. <laughs> I understand how much time it takes to coordinate all of that. So when students also enjoy it, it makes me feel better <laughs> about all the coordination that goes on in the back. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Um, well, our, before we do our wrap-up questions for the end, are there any major points that you would like to reiterate um, before we do those questions? I don't think so, not at this time. <laughs> you feel pretty solid. <laughs> Good, I like the confidence. <laughs> it's time for our famous 
We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Eastman works with you to accelerate your nutritional program innovation. Start your journey with us at Eastman.com. Natural Biologics is looking deeper to find the natural solutions to your poultry health challenges. Fibro Animal Health Corporation. Healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium, giving young animals a healthy start. A worldwide leader in animal nutrition, Adiseo's portfolio of products includes methionine, the full range of vitamins, enzymes, organic selenium, probiotics, mycotoxin management strategies, and palatability products. With such a diverse offering, Adiseo supports its customers with a broad range of expertise, tools, and services to help them maintain a competitive advantage. Adiseo, fueling predictable profits. To learn more, visit Adiseo at www.adiseo.com. So to, to wrap up our chat today, um, we asked all of our guests the same three questions. So I, I will ask those to you. Um, the first one is, what is a favorite or important poultry-related resource that you like to use? I read a lot of different articles from Journal of Applied Poultry Research. Um, I think they have a lot of really good things coming out. Um, they always have new articles. Um, that's where I typically publish, and I know a lot of my peers publish there as well. Um, and so they have a lot of good resources, I think. Yeah, that's so if, if anyone listening hasn't heard that it's a peer-reviewed research journal, it's a great, yeah, great resource. <laughs> um, the second question is, is do you have a, a non-poultry resource or reference that you've been using lately? Sure. So I am, like I said before, um, well, so in my graduate career, I didn't really have a whole lot of exposure to, you know, just like education classes per se. Um, I really, you know, wasn't thinking about going into academia until um, until I started my PhD or halfway through to my PhD. Um, and so I'm currently reading um, Uncommon Sense Teaching, and it kind of goes over uh, different pathways in the brain to help solidify um, student learning. And it helps you as a professor um, solidify the different concepts that you want your students to understand and it kind of guides you through different practices so that they understand what you're teaching a little bit better. Yeah, uncommon sense. That I like that name. <laughs> it's a good bus. It's easy to read too. Ah, <laughs> uh, good, good. I like easy. <laughs> um, the the last question that I will ask you today is: Do you have any pieces of advice for someone who wants to go into the poultry industry? I would think my biggest piece of advice would be um, take an internship if you can. Um, see what it's all about. And if you like it, um, like we've talked about before, that's great. And if not, that's, that's okay too. But I think, you know, just try different opportunities, you know, even if you don't want to do like um, industry per se, you could also get an internship like in a research lab and see how that goes for you. Um, but I guess just to be open-minded and try different things. Yeah. I like that. Um I feel like I was a fairly shy student, so that would have been advice I needed to take early on. I was just nervous about trying new things, even if I felt confident about it. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard as a student. I get it. You're getting a lot thrown at you as an undergrad, so try the internships. The poultry industry is a people industry. <laughs> Agreed, yes. 
And I also appreciate the poultry industry um, so much because they they seem to be very open and like willing to train students in particular. Um, and so, you know, I grew up in the suburbs of Columbus, Ohio, and so I did not have a lot of animal experience, even like large animal experience. Um, and so I found it really difficult to get in anywhere it, because I didn't have experience. But the poultry industry, like, welcomed me with open arms. You know, they, they were willing to train me, and it worked out. Yeah, it sounds like it, it definitely worked out. <laughs> Well, thank you for your time today. I really enjoyed chatting with you and I, I can't wait to follow your career. So um, once you get past this initial getting everything set up, it sounds like you're ready to take off. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> you're welcome. Hopefully we'll chat soon.